Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 75 of the Camino Voice. Today, I speak with the executive director of the San Juan Camino Food Bank. Please welcome Kathy Moe. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Um, I just want to remind everyone again, um, if anyone is enjoying the podcast or if you guys are um, liking the interviews and stuff, please feel free to share that with your friends, um, with other Islanders, because it really helps us grow the podcast. Um, maybe send it to your friend and say what your favorite podcast is or favorite episode is uh, or something like that. And also, if you guys have any comments or questions or just want to say hey, you can email me at voice at kamenocommons.com voice at kamenocommons.com. So um, anyways, I love hearing from everybody and to see how they're liking the podcast and if they have guest suggestions. I love getting guest suggestions. Um, and uh, yeah, so I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to send me an email. Um, so today's episode, I speak with Kathy Moe and she actually took over as the exec- executive director of the Stanwood Commando Food Bank after Lynn Ayers. So if you guys remember back to episode... Uh, what was that, 43 and 44, um, <clears throat> which you can go back and listen to those episodes as well. Um, but I interviewed Lynn Ayers, who was the current stay, the food, the executive director for the Stanwood Commander Food Bank during that time period. Um, so Kathy actually took over during this whole COVID pandemic. So um, <laughs> talk about stepping into like a crazy storm of everything. So she jo- uh, she had been working with the food bank and then applied for the director, and we'll get into that whole story of that. But just Kathy has taken over the food bank in a crazy time, and things are going well, all things considered. And um, so we hear a little bit about her background, um, how things have shifted and changed during COVID. Um, one of the things you uh, may or may not know is during the whole pandemic and everything, Lynn, when she was still director, was not able to actually come into the food bank. And so the executive director of the food bank wasn't allowed to come in because she was over a certain age, which they weren't allowing people over a certain age into the food bank. So during that time, Kathy was the feet on the ground, uh, you know, kind of stand-in director during that time period. So she talks about that as well and kind of what it was like during that time. And um, anyways, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Kathy Moe. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with the director of the Stanwood Camino Food Bank. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy Mo. Thank you. It, it's a pleasure to be here, Brandon. Yeah. So before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about Kathy. Well, I've been living on Camino for the last three years. Okay. And I moved here from Kirkland. And I have uh, four children, six grandchildren, and uh, my husband. And um, we we love the the Camino Stanwood area. We've really enjoyed living here, and it's been a pleasure to work for the for the food bank. And I'm super excited about this new position I'm in. Nice. So you survived having, or you know, raising four children. So it's possible. <laughs> it it is possible, actually. That. 
that was a, a terrific time in my life. They're all grown and they have children of their own. So nice. Yeah, we we have my wife and I have four kids. So yeah, it, it's it's a it's an exciting experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona, actually, mm. in the Phoenix area, and um, I went to high school there and um, worked uh, worked my way through um, my adult years. I moved up here in 1992. Okay. And um, I I have just fallen in love with the Northwest. I have to tell you, yeah. uh, it, it's. It's uh, very different than the desert, right? But uh, I love it. It took me about three years to get used to the weather. Yep. But I'm used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you beat us by about three years. We moved up from Tucson, Arizona, in oh, 1995. Very nice. I love Tucson. Yeah. So uh, it's, high desert. It's really funny because um, it's funny when you're down in Tucson or if you're up in Washington. There's a lot of people. It's like there's a magical highway that goes between the two. That is very true. We've met so many people from Arizona up here. And yeah. and then when when my family, my brothers still live in, in the Glendale area. And they say they run into people from Washington all the time. Yeah. No, it's so weird. Like um, uh, Kara, who used to own Movement Arts Yoga Studio, she moved to Arizona. Oh. Um, and so like, and there's a lot of customers we have. And it's just really funny how there's a weird... Like, they skip Oregon and California, go straight to Arizona. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? So, okay, so then what was it? Um, so you grew up there, and then did you go to college down there? No, I actually went to UW, and I studied uh, human resources. Okay. Um, when I was in, as an adult. And um, and then I, I went to work for, uh, I worked a lot of different small jobs when uh, my kids were growing up. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, landed a job with Wesley Holmes, uh, continuing care retirement community in Des Moines, Washington. Okay. Um, so they started their own home health agency and mm -hmm. I had been in home health, uh, as a staffing coordinator, but I ended up being the executive director there and, uh, leading that organization. Okay. And it was, it was very, very fun. Um, the 2008 financial crisis happened and, um, uh, the, they eliminated, my position made it a nursing position. Okay. So uh, I moved on, but go, was hired on with Quorum, uh, which is an IV pharmacy. Okay. So specialty pharmacy. They have a clean room kind of compounding room. And uh, I worked there for, oh gosh, eight years. Okay. How did you... As the director. So wait, real quick, going back to Wesley Homes, was that like a uh, care facility? It's a continuing care retirement community. So it has independent living, it has um, assisted living, and it has nursing home care. Okay. And they have several um, different organizations down in the south end. Okay. So communities. Got it. And then they, they uh, developed home health to... Um, keep the people that were in independent living independent. Got it. Okay. Nice. It, are they sub, um, funded the same way like uh, Josephine and those yes. types of cares? Okay. So were you guys, was it still that big, I guess, financial struggle that you guys were seeing during that time period? Because um, I know Josephine, um, I think it was late last year or, or really early this year before COVID and everything, 
they were talking about at one of the chamber meetings of just the things yeah. not being passed and it, it's a it's a hard business mm-hmm. uh, to deal with right now because it's you're relying on government funds. Right, right. Okay, so then how did you get connected with Quorum CVS then? Because that uh, kind of seems a, different. Through a recruiter. Okay. Um, and it just so happened that uh, many years ago, uh, when I was still in Arizona, that I worked for a company called Caremark Home Care. Okay. Uh, and I was just an office person at the time. And um, they saw that on my resume that I had worked for Caremark. Well, it was the same company, oh, just a okay. different name. Yeah. So I, I had some experience. And they, they really took a chance on hiring me. Okay. And I was there for, like I said, eight years, I think it was. Nice. And what was your job when you I were I was there? a director. Okay. Very cool. So um, I had pharmacists that worked for for me and uh, office staff, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, pharmacy technicians, and I was basically in charge of that compounding pharmacy to make sure it passed all of the regulations. Okay, nice. And then uh, where'd you go from there? Well, I, I got hired on with Option Care, which uh, at the time was a Walgreens company. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually recruited me away from Quorum. Okay. And um, I, I, I was there for a couple of years. We moved out here, and I was driving to South Everett every day. Okay. And uh, caught in that traffic. Yep. And that leads me to how I became connected with the food bank. I was, um, my next-door neighbor was having a barbecue, and I went to it, and Lynn Ayers was there. Okay. And I was super excited that she was the direct uh, executive director for the food bank. And we got to talking, and I, I just thought that that was the coolest thing, and I wanted to volunteer. Well, I never got around to volunteering because they ended up having a position available as the operations manager. Okay. And so um, that, that February, I was hired as the operations manager for... The food bank. Okay, very cool. Because um, it looks like, I mean, you said you went for um, to school for human resources. And, I mean, I guess the, the being a director and stuff like that, that overlaps with it because oh, you're yeah. overseeing all of those aspects and stuff. Um, I have an operational mind. Okay. So I can put things together like they're supposed to the flow yeah. of a business. Yeah. So it, it's just... It's just second nature for me to be able to do the operations pieces. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes a big difference because, I mean, there's, I mean, as, as working in a business and then owning one, like, there's so many different aspects that little tasks can waste so much time oh, if you don't, yes. you know, improve them and, and make the flow better. Yep. So, very cool. So then, um, so you got connected, you started out at the food bank, and that was February of 2019. Okay, cool. So then how did, as you were starting to get started, then how did that all piece together? And Well, it was, um, it was an eye-opening experience for me, I have to tell you, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never worked in a place where I wasn't responsible for a healthy bottom line money coming in the door, you know? Yeah. We're giving away everything. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, we still worry about the funds coming in. 
Um, but it was just such a different philosophy for me, uh, mm -hmm. especially the inventory management piece. Um, I was always really careful about how much I had on the shelf. Well, at a food bank, you want to have a lot on the shelf because you're giving away a lot of food. Yeah. And so um, that was a hard concept for me to pull together in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I was able to to get it. Yeah. It's getting food out to people. Right. And, and, uh, and it's free food. Um, so I really, um, in that role was able to connect with a lot of the partners in the area, the grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we get a lot of donated food from the local grocery stores, IGA, Hagen, Stanwood um, QFC. We even go to Arlington, to that Safeway. We go all the way to Mill Creek okay. and get um, donations from the grocery stores there. Nice. And it's, it's wonderful because it keeps the... Um, the perishable items moving. Right. And how does that, that work then with the, within internally? Because obviously there's, there's a food bank in Mill Creek and stuff like that. Like how do they kind of split that up and allow like certain food banks from other areas to, to get stuff? Well, you have to have a truck that will go, um, uh, refrigerated. It has to be a refrigerated truck going, mm -hmm. Uh, if you go more than 35 miles. Okay. So uh, we have actually two refrigerated trucks that the Boeing employees um, donated the money for. Okay. So that was, that's been great. Yeah. And um, Food Lifeline sets up those grocery rescue programs with the grocery stores, and um, the local uh, food bank wasn't able to pick up every day okay. in Mill Creek. Yep. So... We got the other days. Nice. And so it, it's worked out really, really well. And then we get a lot of uh, food from Food Lifeline. Okay. And what's Food Lifeline? It is uh, the bigger organization. It is really called a food bank where many food banks are actually food pantries. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a large, large organization down in Burien. Okay. A huge building, uh, lots of food, um, lots of trucks, and they uh, they bring in all kinds of government food and food rescue, and then they disperse it out to all the food banks. Okay. And Northwest Harvest has the same um, concept, except they're in the north uh, area. They're Skagit and Whatcom County. Okay. Okay, so then when you guys get food, like you go and get food from like the grocery stores that you mentioned and, and some of the local things, um, but then does Food Lifeline also deliver food to you guys as well? They deliver food to our partner agency, uh, VOA, okay. in Everett, and then we go down and pick it up. Mm. And then we can also purchase food um, through Food Lifeline at a discount. Okay. Uh, so that really helps if we need... Um, large quantities of pallets of food. Right. We can purchase a pallet of food and, and the, drive the price down. Right. Yeah, and, and that was something I know when COVID and all started, I know we'll get there, um, but when I was talking with Lynn, she was saying, like, beans, rice, their staples yeah. were impossible to find anywhere. Yeah, they um, were. Even in the grocery store, there were no beans on the shelf. Yeah. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. So when you, um, you'd been working with the food bank for a while, then did you, were you ever thinking like, 
of moving up into a director position or were you just working as an operations manager and you were planning on working there for like that? I actually, when, um, when I took the job as operations manager, I had always thought if Lynn retired, mm -hmm. I would be interested in that position. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know when, when that would be, right. had no idea. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happened. <laughs> and um, I actually went through the same process everybody else went through, uh, even though I worked there. Yeah. Um, the candidate list was about 100 uh, folks that applied wow. for that position. And they narrowed it down, the board narrowed it down to 10. And then we had multiple interviews. We did a Zoom interview, which was actually easy. Um, because we're used to being on Zoom, yes, and we didn't wear our masks, and so you could see our whole face and expressions, and you know you forget how much mm -hmm. your face makes an expression, right? Um, you know, and the mask covers up most of it. Uh, then we had an in-person interview. Mm -hmm. That was uh, that was difficult because we all were masked up. We were six feet apart in yeah. a big room at Camino Center. Yeah, and. Um, I just, I just recognized that this this is difficult. Yeah. And so I said that right away. I, you know, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. And everybody kind of relaxed. Yeah. I I know some of the other folks. It was difficult for them because they hadn't been on an interview like that before. Right. Yeah. It's hard to interview during COVID. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently it's hard to find people to work during COVID as well. Just with. I mean, because you have such a span of reasons why people will or won't work. Some people are, you know, make, you know, during the beginning time, some people were making more on unemployment than working. That's very um, true. So they were doing that instead. There were some people that were really scared of going out of their house. Um, so they were like, even if it's an essential job, I don't want to work because I don't want to be exposed. So there was that group of people. And then there was people that just... Um, you know, weren't qualified for different positions and stuff. So, like, your pool got really small during yeah, that time period. It did. And then if you had um, children mm -hmm. and you wanted to go to work, it was hard to find daycare. Right. Because there wasn't any. There, was, there wasn't any. Yeah. So, it, you know, you're trying to hustle the kids from family to family or mm -hmm. wherever to try to um, work. Right. So it, it, is, um, it is a quandary. Yeah. So then how did, so you, when you started the process, when did, I guess, when did the process start for when they started looking for an executive director? When did you guys know that Lynn was planning on retiring? Oh gosh. When was that? Uh, it must've been the, um, in June. Okay. And then, uh, it's a bit of a blur to me because it, it's just been a whirlwind since she left. So then July was the it may it may have been May. Okay. And June were the uh interviews. Yep. And then July they were making decisions. And I started August first. Okay. And then Lynn left for California on the fourteenth. Wow. Yeah. I just remember because I have been I interviewed her um like I guess a year ago now. And we were going over the food bank and kind of her whole career. Cause again, she actually came from corporate and yeah. worked. Um, and so it's, yeah, she kind of had the same, had to do a lot of the same rethinking of how things work and operate and run. Um, 
And then we met with them, uh, her and uh, Jim, because um, we were going to be starting wine at the marketplace. And so we were like, uh, you know, you guys used to do is actually in this building. So, you know, tell us what you did and everything. So we got to talk with them. And that was in, I think, February, um, February, March, we were meeting with them. And um, yeah. And again, we were like at that point, they had no intention of leaving. They were talking about like, they may sell their house because they have someone looking at, but like still intending on staying here. And then I feel like I turned around and I was like, they're gone. I'm like, they're gone where? <laughs> it was, it was a whirlwind for her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it sounded like it was very like, I Quick. mean, they, they, from talking with them, they've always loved California. They've oh, yeah. always wanted to go back. Yep. They just didn't know how quickly that would turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Happened fast. Yes. Well, and then when I was talking with her, too, because she would actually still come and pick up some stuff from us to bring to the food bank. Um, and she was saying how she wasn't allowed to go in or right. work or do anything. Um, and so that kind of, you know, later on, she was saying that that was kind of a natural transition point. Cause, yeah. uh, and during that time, what, what was your side of it that you were doing? Because I'm assuming you were kind of running everything inside. Uh, that's exactly right. Um, I was uh, uh, communicating with her over the phone or via email just about every day. Mm -hmm. And um, it was uh, was hard because we had to rethink everything that we did. We had rolled out the grocery model so people could actually shop in the food bank. Well, that wasn't going to work because we couldn't have people in the food bank. So we had to rethink, how are we going to do this? Well, uh, you know, I... I had many nights where I was up late trying to figure out how we were going to do this. And we finally figured that curbside pickup would be the easiest way. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've modified it several times to help, help the clients uh, not be, not get frustrated. Right. Um, In the beginning we were handing out numbers like one to 250. Now we hand out groups, uh, group one, to group 25. Okay. So that uh, nobody's arguing about who's in front of who. It's all group one, group two, yeah. just like at the airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've modified it several times and we put up tents this year. Okay. Um, we put up two uh, large tents from court uh, party rentals. Okay. And they're tied down with 100 pounds uh, of, of block. Yep. And um, that has helped enlarge our footprint a little bit so we can keep people dry. Right. And our volunteers can be outside part of the time. Yeah. We're only allowed 16 volunteers in the food bank. Okay. And uh, 29 people in the thrift store at a time. So we have somebody at the thrift store actually counting people coming in, taking their temps, having Mm -hmm. them sanitize their hands. Uh, just to make sure everything is safe. Yeah. Well, and this is, <laughs> uh, I, that was the other thing we had just talked, I was talking with Lynn about on the podcast was that they had just finished rolling out the whole grocery model and it was all working so well. Um, and that was, you know, this goes back to your background of just operations and stuff like that. Cause that is, I mean, that's completely changing what you had finally gotten something in, in place and then had to completely undo it all. Undo it all in, in a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um so we have uh 
purchased all new grocery store shelving, mm-hmm. and it's in storage right now. Okay. And then uh, we're hoping that uh, by May, I was just talking to the board president a few minutes ago, and we're hoping by May we'll get that uh, grocery store model up and running again. Okay. Now that there's a possibility of a vaccine. Yep. Okay. So then how? what was it like um, when everything started hitting and COVID and you guys were working in there? What was it like on the inside for you guys? Well, uh, we were worried. Mm-hmm. We were all worried because yeah. a couple of the um, uh, staff members um, have illnesses and we don't want them to get sick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were kind of sequestered in their offices. And um, the we wanted to treat the clients with dignity and respect and it didn't feel, feel very respectful to have them line up out in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, they've gotten, they've gotten used to it, but I know in the beginning it was, um, it was fast moving, Brandon. And you just, you just didn't know from day to day how you were going to have to change things and have to move and be flexible Yeah, and have enough food. Right. That was, uh, another thing I was buying up food, like anything I could get, um, Mm -hmm. because I wasn't sure if we, like we couldn't get macaroni and cheese, we couldn't right. get peanut butter. Yeah, uh, we could get little bits of peanut butter, but when you're feeding 250 people in a week, you need 250 jars. Right. You know, you yep. need lots of peanut butter. You need lots of macaroni and cheese. You need mm-hmm. milk. You need all these things that right. um, needed to be purchased. And we were, we were fortunate. Uh, we had an outpouring from the community of help uh, financially. So we were able to purchase things. It was finding them that was the difficult piece. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, I mean, what was your, what was the spike in numbers and stuff like that from before to after? In the beginning, uh, the spike went up immediately. People were immediately coming to the food bank because the stimulus hadn't popped in yet. Right, and the uh, unemployment hadn't started. Mm-hmm. So people were worried, and the, the shelves at the grocery store were bare, if right. you remember. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, we just kept plugging along. We uh, have a, a program called A Simple Gesture, mm-hmm. and it's a green bag program, and uh, there's 600 people in the area that have their, their green bags, and they fill them up, and then we go around and pick them up mm-hmm. with donations. And uh, we had to cancel that for April because um, we didn't know if we could trust that there wasn't uh, COVID germs on on the food that they were donating. Right. And so we had to be super, super careful. Right. And um, then in in June, we went ahead and did June, and it all worked out great. Okay. But we get in um, a lot of donations through that program. Yeah. And that really carried us through, like 7,000 pounds of food in a day uh, we'll bring in from the island and from Stanwood. Uh, of course, we have to sort through it all, make sure it's all good, mm-hmm. and, and then get it out on our shelves. Yeah. And what we do is we pack a box uh, for the week. Okay. Um, so we're packing hundreds of boxes of these certain menu items for the week. And then the next week we 
we pack a little different yep. so that they're not getting the same food all the time, Yep. that they have uh, some options. Yeah. So then how has that transitioned? I mean, you guys just got it through um, Thanksgiving, and now we're getting into Christmas. How has that, that kind of shaped out? Oh, it's been it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it has been. Uh, from October to January, it's a marathon for all of us at the food bank mm-hmm. um, because you have to buy up. You know, you have to start buying food in September, and then it gets delivered. And then, what do you do with all of this food to uh, store it until uh, Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. So, uh, ha- we bought up turkeys, uh, and thankfully, Bellingham Cold Storage allowed us to store it in their cold storage. Oh, very cool. And they also have uh, allowed us about 10,000 square feet to do our backpack program. Oh, okay. In the dry in the dry area, in the regular storage area of that building, they're very very sweet people. They um, just love giving, especially to the local food bank. Um, so for Thanksgiving, we served for three days. Mm-hmm. We served a Wednesday, a Saturday, and then the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and we served five hundred and thirty-seven families. Wow, that's great. So in uh, our normal day, like a normal Wednesday, is about 120 to 130 families. So we were doing 230 wow. to 250 families. Yeah. But it went very smooth. Good. It went very smooth. People were very kind and, you know, did their social distance. They all wore their masks. Mm-hmm. And um, they got a lot of food, a Good. lot of food. So this nice. last Wednesday we thought was going to be very busy, but it was just a normal day. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So then how has um, the food bank been doing with, I mean, in this holiday season? I know, um, you know, a lot of nonprofits, stuff like that, they're struggling right now because people don't have money for donations or things like that. How is the food bank doing as we get into the Christmas season? We are doing very well. Good. Um, we uh, this is a very giving community, and um, people have given a lot of their uh, donations to the food bank, uh, in good, in kind uh, donations from the grocery store mm-hmm. or financially. Um, we we have done very very well, and we've gotten several grants. Good uh, have come through, so um, we're. Uh, we're looking pretty good. Good. Yeah. And then I also wanted to ask you about the Christmas house Yes. and, and how that all works. Um, we weren't able to do the tree celebration like we were hoping this year, um, but we still have a few donations towards that. And then, um, but I want to have you talk about that one. Okay. So Christmas house runs from November 1st until Christmas. So, I mean, I think Marty is down there on Christmas Eve packing things for families if they, you know, didn't, didn't get to it in time. Um, we were fortunate this year. Um, the Everett Christmas house did not open, which is unfortunate. Oh, no. okay. But they took all of their, um, donations and they dispersed it to other Christmas houses and other, uh, food banks. Okay. So we were able to get, um, four or five pallets of toys okay, uh, for zero to 12 years old. Nice. So that was 
that was great. So then we could focus on getting teenage. Um, we mostly give out um, gift cards mm-hmm. for the teenagers yeah. to local businesses so they can go and, and get themselves what they like. Yeah. Um, so it, it has turned out very well. Yesterday, Marty told me she had signed up over 1,100 families so far for Christmas House. Wow. And they're not open, like they usually open the caring place as Christmas House, and mm-hmm. then families get to go in and pick out their own gifts. Okay. Well, because of COVID. Yeah. Can't do that this year. So we had them fill out a form, and then uh, Marty and her volunteers shopped. Okay. And then packed up everything, gave them a call, and they came by and picked it up with a, you know, minimal contact. Okay. So uh, eleven hundred families so far have already gotten their Christmas wow. presents. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot more this year. I mean, oh, one, yeah. one of the things that I've seen with how COVID has affected everything is that it's really hit anyone in like the lower to middle class level much harder than the upper, you know, middle class and up because we just there's, you know, the jobs that they need to work are the ones that are on the front lines, and so if you're any sort of health compromise. You, that's harder for you to do those. And there's just so many different levels of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Childcare is harder to come by, you know. Um, the schooling from home even is really oh. difficult for, for a lot of them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know in my own family, um, my, my two daughters have businesses, uh, home, home businesses. Mm-hmm. So they are homeschooling their kids plus running businesses out of their homes. Right. And it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And so with all of that, then how is, what's the best way for the community, for people to get involved and to help out and stuff? Well, if you like volunteering, we could, we could always use more volunteers. A lot of our volunteers have, uh, during this last surge of COVID Mm -hmm. have decided to stay home. Okay. So, uh, we're low on volunteers. Okay. And uh, we can always use volunteers. Very easy. Go to our website. Go to um, volunteer application. Fill out the application. We run a quick background check. and give you a call or send you an email uh, within a day and get you signed up to come in and help. Okay. And most people absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the thrift store. Uh, is always needing volunteers also. Okay. Uh, the thrift store is our biggest donor. Okay. And, and we've stayed open all but three months of COVID. Yeah. So um, I think we're the only thrift store really in the area that's open. Okay. And yeah, they keep opening, closing, opening, closing. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've stayed we've stayed open. We're doing all the precautions. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it was a, a, a big blessing. Uh, Snohomish County was able to get a grant for $2 million to help staff um, nonprofits. Okay. And so they gave, they sent me an email and said that we could get some staff, mm-hmm. full-time staff, 40 hours a week, yeah, and not have to pay for them. They would be all paid for through the grant. So we were able to get seven full-time staff members wow. that we don't have to pay for, but they're working 40 hours a week. Nice. And uh, it, was, it was such a blessing to open that email. And I, at first I thought, what? This can't be true. Yeah. It was. Yeah. 
That's very cool. I feel like a lot of the, I mean, the chamber has been a big um, mm-hmm. helping get money and grants and things like that out. And um, it is a weird year because there's just been things that would be scam emails or something like that, like in the past. Like you're like, wait, is this, is this really like what they're saying? Um, and so it's really neat to be able to see that it's been able to help out a lot of. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's been very helpful, especially for the thrift store, because um, a lot of their volunteers were older folks, mm-hmm. retired, you know, over 65. And so they didn't feel comfortable coming in and mixing in with all of the customers. Yep. So um, we were trying to run it on a slim, slim staff. Right. And these folks came and they're just like ready to work and they're getting paid through a grant. Yeah. It was... It was a blessing for them and for us. Right. No, that's great. I mean, it's it's great when it can hit help both sides and um, very cool. All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Um, the first one is, uh, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less uh, have you enjoyed the most over the last three months? Hundred dollars or less. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know. The book, a book. I bought a book called American Dirt. It okay. was terrific. Very cool. What's it, what's it about then? It is about um, a lady out of Acapulco, mm-hmm. and she runs a bookstore in Acapulco, and her husband is a journalist. Okay. And the cartel um, kills him, and it tells of her journey to the United States. Okay. With her little boy. Oh, very cool. It's uh it's a very controversial book right now. Okay. But um it was it was very it's well written. I I would g- tell everybody to go out and buy it just to learn a migrant's journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they go through. Right. Very cool. Um uh if you have a guest coming to the island, what would their first day look like here? Oh. Well, first, they if they came to our house, hopefully there'd be whales there. Yeah. And um, they could see the whales. That's always the coolest thing, I think, about living uh, in this area. Yeah. And uh, they breach right outside our um, our bank. Okay. So we, we get to see them often. Um, I'd also bring them to this little area, the mm-hmm. Terry's Corner. Yeah. And uh, we would shop and and uh, go to Tapped and have some wine and <laughs> enjoy ourselves. Nice. It's such a pretty area. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a neat, neat island to be on and uh, explore. And there's a lot oh, of neat things here. There are. So. Just even driving around the island. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, my husband and I'll just take a drive. Let's drive around the island. And it's such a big place. I mean, we always find little neighborhoods that we've never been in before. Yeah. No, it's it's really neat. Um, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Hmm. Gosh. You've probably interviewed everybody I know. <laughs> Well, you can always get back to me if you find some yeah. people that you think of. Yeah, so I I'm will. always looking for, for more guests to bring on and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Okay, and lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard right as you're driving on Camino Island, what would that say? 
Oh, this is the good life. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Kathy Mo for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash EP75. That's commandocommons.com slash EP75. Also, if you do want to volunteer at the food bank or help financially, um, I have left links for both of those things in the show notes. So be sure to check those out if you are interested in doing that during this season. And thank you guys for listening, and I will see you on the next one.